Uh, welcome back. It is the Motown Rundown, your home for all things Detroit sports. Today is May 20th. It is a Thursday. Um, this is our second time recording this episode because one of my brother's punk-ass friends keeps FaceTiming me, and it ruined the whole fucking episode. Rattle. I don't know why this guy's kind of in your kitchen. He's not in my kitchen. I, this, I, I mean, we stopped the episode so you can answer. Well, him. we stopped the episode because the guy called me 30 fucking times and it wouldn't stop ringing and I didn't know how to turn off the ringer on my laptop. So thank you to Trent's, Trent's IT support for helping me out. But now it's just now we're just a mess because we're going to talk about the same. We, we literally were going for 10 minutes in the intro and now we're going to talk about the exact same things because it's, it's content based. It's OK. Not rattled, though. Not phased. We're, we're good actors. It's OK. Not phased. So we're going to pretend like we didn't just talk about this for 10 minutes. Um, hey, guys, uh, starting June 1st, COVID's dead. Actually, I should say July 1st, because July 1st in the state of Michigan, all the indoor restrictions have been lifted. And like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we've just beat COVID. So uh, hot seat, COVID, also cool throne, COVID. Shout out, pardon my take. So congratulations on beating COVID, guys. We did it. Yep. I don't know if we, we did, did it. it yet, but it's close. Yeah, I mean, people well, are getting I, vaccinated. I, I guess, like, like for this summer, this summer's full tilt. This summer and fall will be full tilt, like absolutely full tilt. Like first tailgate I'm able to get to, I mean, you might as well just call, get me an IV for the next morning because I'm going to need <laughs> that too. It's just, it's just nice because after months of obviously living in the state of Michigan and you watch people in all these other states and cities around, around the country – have just been like getting after it. And you're sitting inside like Howie from the bench warmers eating sunscreen. Like, Hey guys, like must be nice that you get to go to bars and whatnot and not have to leave at 10 o'clock PM or get to go to a baseball game. And it's just full capacity. Dude, It's, it's asinine that bars are not open past 11. Yeah. And like last calls at like nine 30 too. Yeah. Well, yeah. COVID uh, is, more rampant after 12 p.m. That's a known scientific fact. True. Yeah, whatever. But it's it's nice. Whatever. We're back. Tigers, Comerica Park will be buzzing, I'm sure, 10,000 strong at Comerica. But we're back. Um, what else? Oh, we did talk about NBA NHL playoffs, too. I guess it was good that we restarted this episode because it came off kind of hot about – picking on people that didn't think the NHL playoffs were the best playoffs, but yeah, you talk, he, Raps, was, I'm not here to, I'm not here to argue about it because I, I, we kind of got into it, but at, at the main point was like, I like all of it. Like all of it has their strong points and stuff like that. Hockey, like first three rounds, I think are the best rounds in playoffs, but I think the NBA finals might be a little bit better, but Raps was, I'm not here to argue about it, but you're a moron basically. If you don't think NHL playoffs is the best thing ever. Yeah, admittedly, those were my exact words, and those are probably the definition of, of fighting words. So I do apologize for that. But I look, like I was saying, now that like in Carolina, for example, they're pretty much full tilt with fans. It looks like at least every arena has some sort of fan base in it, except maybe I know the Canadian teams. I don't know if they have any fans at all. It's very, very, very quiet. No, those, they have no fans. But- I don't. I would assume they're in, like they're COVID. I mean, I know they're a much more progressive like nation in the United States, but like when the Canadians and like Toronto play in the playoffs for the first time in 50 years, I think it's like, hey guys, like we know this thing's pretty bad, but like, hey, 
Yeah, like, well, that, this is that's a big deal. Be the exception. That's going to be hockey. Like, hockey we're, we're like, hey, we, we know we'll go back to it, but after the two weeks, but like during the two weeks, fill the stadiums. Like, hey, I, like, I guarantee you every single fan's like, if I die, I die. I don't care. I just want to watch my lease and Canadians play. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just think the buzz, the buzz of having hockey fans in the arena, like that's, it's just the best. And I think all the series so far that I've at least watched have been absolutely phenomenal. Like the playoff intensity is there. It's a great time to be alive. I know I don't really get what the NBA is doing with the play and stuff, but I know Trent, we couldn't record last night because Trent had to put his entire LeBron uniform on and put his shoes on and was probably hugging a basketball the whole time watching hey. watching a play-in game to, to become the eighth seed between the Lakers and the Warriors. So, Trent, hey. fill us in on – I did see LeBron sunk a shot from the parking lot, which, again, just sick. like shocking. He's shot. the best player to ever play. So, it is – He was bad is. last night, but that was a really good shot. That's the thing. He was, he was bad. bad. Were, you, were you the one – someone retweeted Nick, Nick Wright's tweet where it said, like, LeBron has had his worst playoff game in the last four years, and he was still like 22, 11, and 10 and yep. made a 32-footer to win the game. Like, that just goes to yep. show. 34-footer over Steph Curry. But Whatever. I, I will I will say this. It was pretty awesome. Did not disappoint. I mean, he did for half. And then at, ha- at halftime, something switched, man, because he was taking charges, taking Draymond on defense. He was distributing the ball. I mean, every Lakers possession, it was like he's either assisting or scoring. So it was awesome to watch. And one quick thing that I wanted to spell before we move into Detroit stuff is the 34-footer by LeBron was not lucky. Like, I understand that it was no, it a deep – it was a deep shot, but – How about him going – I saw three rims. I just shot for the middle he, one. He well, gave, he gave all, him the Rocky four. Bullshit. That's he, bullshit. Don't he gave him – that's, that's where you can understand why people don't like LeBron because the whole like, – <laughs> Him acting like he got shot by an like an AK forty seven after Draymond accidentally hit him in the face. Well, like, that was it. Oh, okay. Like he okay. got poked in the eye. Fine. Two things. But, like, two things. Draymond has done that like six times in LeBron okay, games. So I I I refuse to accept that that was on accident. I'm not saying he should have been like kicked out well, or that something. That one he didn't get him that bad. Regardless, it, even dude, if he did but, it on purpose, okay, okay, he didn't get him he, that bad. Two hands to the face is at least a flagrant one, dude. Like, at least. You don't got to throw him out, but it's at least a flagrant one. There's no play on the ball. He goes – he went straight for his face. He didn't need to, though. It was such a – like, it was like a two-on-one situation where – yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue about this because I I think it was just – it was – Draymond has a reputation, which I understand, but I thought that was an accident. But the whole point was, like – LeBron, he knew what he was doing. He was trying to sell it, get the flagrant two or flagrant one. Yeah. Get LeBron. Like he, he's a smart guy. He's not, but like him saying, yeah, I'll see three rims. Give me a break, dude. Like if you're seeing three rims, you're not making that. That's it true. wasn't it was a the rocky shot, shot, but like, you don't have to, don't have to hear like uh battling like a stage five migrant, like the lats. Yeah. You knew yeah. what was going on there. He gave him the classic Pauly from Rocky four, just aim for the one in the middle. That's what he, that's what he yeah. said. He said, I aim for the one in the middle, but whatever. It wasn't lucky. The dude caught it, squared up, knocked it down. There's a minute left. He's always been clutch. He's got more playoff game winners than Michael Jordan, Kobe combined. I digress. LeBron did not disappoint. Him. Lakers are the seventh seed, and they're probably going to beat the Suns in five games. I, I, they looked horrible last night. I know, and they still won. That's my point. Like, they still finally I mean, de- I mean, 
Davis was horrible, but Draymond played like one of the best defensive games I've seen him play in his career. But um, I don't know why we're, we're like getting deep dive in the NBA playoffs, yeah, not yeah. about Detroit teams. But yeah, we can. I'll move. say this: I think the Lakers are going to have trouble with the Suns because I, they're going to need a lot out of LeBron, and you can clearly tell LeBron is not hundred percent. So right, I digress. We need to start starting Detroit sports. Well, we can stay on the topic of basketball here. A team that is not in the playoffs, very much not in the playoffs, your Detroit Pistons. Season's over. Uh, I know we did the Red Wings season recap last week. So now, Trent Collins, it is your turn. The Pistons finish the season 20-52. and 52. I believe, what are they, the top, one of the top three teams that have the best odds of the first pick? Yes. yes. So are, they, are they guaranteed a top three pick? No. no. How it's the fuck is 33%. 33%. I it's think still- at the – it's still a lottery. Like it's, it's still like they, they they're the worst they can get is seven. I think. No. Yeah. The lowest they can get is seven and their worst, their, their best odds for just one pick is pick five, but that doesn't, that doesn't like one, two and three added up outweigh five. That's just how the lottery works. So it's like, whatever. All right. Well, Hey, season recap, give me your thoughts. Uh, I guess we don't have to spend too much time on the draft lottery and whatnot because it just is what it is. They did their job. They had the second worst record in the league. They gave themselves the best chance at number one. They actually kept you entertained all year long for the most part, including a guy like myself who hasn't really watched the Pistons in a couple of years. The one game that I did go to and watched all four quarters of, I really enjoyed it. I think they have some nice pieces, but I, obviously you guys are more in touch with the team than I am. So Godspeed. TB, when you – when we looked at the beginning of the season, what was our expectations, you think? So I that's actually where I wanted to start, so I'm glad you asked because when the season started, like, I'm not going to lie, you guys know me, and, and, like, Jeremy Grant's going off, and Derek Rose is still on your roster, and Blake Griffin is still on your roster, allegedly healthy. Um, and, and you look at the East, the, the bottom playoff teams look pedestrian at best. I kind of wanted this team to compete. Like by, but the, the thing is, is by about game 10, when they were 2-8, and eight, we quickly saw what the season would be all about. And that's when it became full rebuild mode as if it wasn't already. But that's also when you realize like, okay, Derek Rose and Blake Griffin are guys who need to be moved by the deadline. And they were. So for that reason, Troy Weaver for me in his first season with the Pistons, Troy, Troy Weaver gets an A plus. I mean, everything from his off season moves to his in season moves, Collins, you kind of nailed it the last few weeks talking about Josh Jackson, Frank Jackson, those were two exceptional pieces off the bench, especially on that back half of the season. Tyler Cook was a diamond in the rough that you found. He's kind of your backup center for the future, I think. And Hammy Diallo has potential. So all those moves that Troy Weaver made in the offseason and really in the season, I think panned out for the most part. But where he, where he can, I think, claim the most credit is with these rookies because they rocked the house. So, Collins, I want your thoughts on this, but I think the Pistons right now undeniably have the best like up and coming youth movement in the league because all these guys are 22 or younger. Uh, the Killian Hayes injury was like definitely the biggest disappointment for me this year behind like maybe Jeremy Grant not making the all-star team. Cause at that point I really cared about that, but Killian Hayes still managed to, to average nine and a half points and seven and a half assists per 36 minutes. We can work with that. Like if he, if he gets time, he's, he's going to be really solid. So Collins, what he's do you something. think? He's yeah. something. He's something, and um, Halliburton was the other guy. Uh, and I think, well. honestly, um, go ahead. The one thing I want to ask because I think we kind of gone over this the last couple of weeks talking about the Pistons. I don't want to be super repetitive about the moves Weavers made. I mean, the way he's been able to overhaul the rosters is generally impressive. 
to what you saw this roster that he attained in the summer and people who, if you read like some of the articles or remember Twitter, when the Pistons kind of went crazy in free agent, getting Plumley, getting these other guys and making these trades, everyone's like, what are the Pistons doing? And guess what? After a year, it looks like he, Troy Weaver knows what he's doing because this team, like you said, has, I think sneaky, one of the best up, like incoming, like, not rosters because I because I want to the question I want to ask after I get after I make my point is like they have one of the best like young I want to say nucleuses just like a bunch of young players that are like oh they're fine like they're nice they can play I don't know how many of them are going to be here in the next couple of years especially due to the fact I don't know where they land in the lottery that will affect a lot of things but TB like we talked about those lesser signings and lesser trades like a Hammy like a Josh Jackson like a uh, Frank Jetson, like a I'm trying to think of some other, like a Tyler Cook, which one guy from the roster do you think will not be here next year? Because I, I think there will be one who won't be there next year. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I guess I would say maybe like Tyler Cook because he's- I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say Tyler Cook's not in that. I think in that class with Frank Jetson, Josh Jetson and yeah. Hammy, because I think they showed a lot more promise. Like one of those guys, they all kind of play like a similar position. Yeah. Who do you think is the odd man out? That's what I was I, trying to think. Because I, I haven't, just, I don't know. I don't know. I'd probably go Diallo. Um, but if if I can, if I can real quick, Collins, I, I kind of broke the roster down here into like five categories, and I want your thoughts on this. I your young core, and you mentioned is Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, and Sekou. And then these are, and then the next group I think is like the bench mob for the next few years, and I think these guys could all be great bench pieces, and that's Frank Jackson, Josh Jackson, Saban Lee and Tyler Cook. And then there's the three guys with the jury still out on for me, Collins, and that's Davida Servitas, Dennis Smith Jr., and Hammy Diallo. Um, then there's Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, who are just inevitably going to get minutes either based on their production or their, their contracts. Um, Cause you know, this is a rebuild and you got to have some vets who are going to come in and score and take some minutes. But then there are, there are three guys, I guess this might answer your question more, even though these aren't guys that uh, weigh in on the future that much, but Jaleel Okafor, Corey Joseph, and Wayne Ellington. Those are three guys that I do not care to see on the roster next year. So I, I, I think overall I was really impressed with the young core. Like Killian Hayes, like I said, almost a double-double per 36. Sadiq Bay, 16 points per 36. Isaiah Stewart, double-double per 36. Seku came on strong enough to at least give me a little bit of wind in my sails going into next season with him. But – I. I don't know, dude. I, the bottom line for this Pistons team for me is this team is closer than people think. I think they shaved a year off the rebuild just because of how productive the rookies were and the, and the young free agent acquisitions, you know, Josh Jackson and, uh, you know, getting Diallo in a trade and that kind of thing. Um, my biggest takeaway, though, also is how, how good this team could be defensively, I think, next year or in two years or whenever they start to take out of the rebuild. But going into next season, you've got a solid young core. You've got a dedicated coach who you're bringing back. You've got a 20 points a night guy in Grant. I think the expectations rise and the Pistons could be a seven or eight seed next year. If the play-in format holds, they'll be a play-in team, I think. I think they can definitely be top 10 in the East. That's where I stand. I thought the Pistons, fantastic season. Troy Weaver gets an A+. Dwayne Casey gets an A. And the young guys were very, 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 as Rav said, fun to watch. So that that's kind of my wrap-up, I guess, my whole two cents on the Pistons. The one, the one thing is that Seku didn't really develop. That was trying to. I mean, he played better in late season games, but like that's what I mean. Like he, I, I, I haven't gaps. seen it from Seku. I'm not yeah. gonna act like I've seen it. Like last year, he kind of saw like a little spark, and you're like, oh, he maybe he's taking a little step. He didn't take. He took a step back this year. 
you know, he looked out of shape at times. I know he was, had some injury issues. His jumper, which I think his jumper will be fine eventually. I But the other stuff that you kind of expected him to grow into, I didn't see a lot. Like the rebounding, yeah. him, his handle. Like that was one thing I was like, ooh, he's got a nice handle for a bigger guy. And he that kind of went away this year. So that – but other than that, I mean, you're right, Trent. If they get good – if they're in the top five of the draft, they should be in the playoffs next year. They re- and, and, and because if you – I mean, they tanked perfectly at the end of the season. Jeremy Grant, I don't know how many games he played in the back half of the season. He didn't play like any. Like yeah. Jeremy Grant proved himself to be a pretty, like, decent NBA player. Like, I'm not going to say, like, he's like a perennial all-star or something, but, like, he's a guy that helps you win. And, and when they're going to try and win, I think they have pieces where they, like, play hard, too. Like if you if you watch the Pistons a lot against good teams, they competed, and sometimes beat those good teams. So I I I think they mastered the rebuild this year. I'm super excited for the future. I think they have the brightest future in Detroit by far. I really believe that. And if they can get lucky in the draft lottery, it could get pretty interesting in the next three to four years. Yep, I love these rookies. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah. You and I both agree on. I that. mean, Sadiq Bay Sadiq Bay has the potential to be a perennial All Star. He really does. Hey, also the thing about him and Collins, you 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 deserve some flowers because you literally said this like before the season began. You thought he could be like a third scorer on a really good team, like and and I think he could too. He got minutes. Perfect. He's guard. a perfect third option. He doesn't need the ball. Yeah, he's versatile too. I mean, he he got. Yeah, he can take you off the dribble too. He's a good player. He's he can be an all star yep. on the right on a good team. I really believe that. Use your best rookie this year, Stewart, close behind and Hayes third just by default. But yeah. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. Roll stones. Fire up. All right, fellas. Thank you very much for the Piston season recap. Um, I guess on the heels of last week's episode where we talked about all things Red Wings and we did mention um, the future of Jeff Blashill. Well, I guess if you want to hear what our takes were, go back and listen to last week's episode. Um, But um, I think a little bit later than expected, but uh, Steve Eiserman announced a couple days ago that Jeff Blashill will be returning for yet another season at the helm of the Detroit Red Wings. Um, I know, I mean, look, I guess, I guess my opinion has already been set on it. Collins, you've said yours. Um, and I think it's a very polarizing decision in the eyes of Red Wings fans. Do you um, know what one the deal is? Cause they, I, I, did they say? I could. That's that's the one thing is like I I have been searching and googling all day long to find out terms on this deal. I have no clue. If I were to guess, I would say it's like a one year thing. I think if that's they what I'm saying, if it's multi year, I then I have a huge issue. One year, like we kind of already talked about it. So yeah, I mean, I I have to imagine if they were like, oh yeah, he just he just extended them to a three year deal. You probably would have heard about it. It just sounds like either a the terms out aren't out or no one knows the terms, or b like we said, it's just a one year ordeal. And, and like going back to what I said last week, I there was really no part of me that was like, if they bring this guy back, I'll be pissed. And I think. I was trying to say, Steve Eiserman said perfectly what I think that I've, you know, if you're in the camp that Blashill should stay, I think it, it echoes what a lot of fans are thinking, just in the sense of like, look, you're a young team, 
Jeff Blashill is a player's coach. I say it all the time. It is not because his X's, X's and O's and maybe the lineups that he puts out on a night-to-night basis. But when you have young players like the Red Wings do who are trying to get their feet wet in the organization and they're trying to, to build themselves an identity as a player in the NHL, you don't need to bring in a guy like John Tortorella who's going to chew up everyone's ass and he's a hard guy to play for and he demands this standard of excellence. The Red Wings don't have an identity right now. So – for me, you and that's, I named, that's why you should get a new head coach. Well, I don't. They don't. They don't have an identity with their roster. It, it doesn't. It to no, me. No, 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 no. You're right. Sorry, I misheard. And, it, and it's not. It's not a matter of. It's not a matter of like. Oh, if the Red Wings were to have John Cooper, or if the Red Wings had John Tortorella, or if they would have had Coach X, Y, and Z, they would have been a playoff contender this year. That's not. That's not the case at all. And that's where I just need people to take a step back. And stop looking at the record and going, oh, well, they're not a playoff team yet. So if they would have had uh, Coach X, they would have. But that's there is no part of me that believes that any coach in this league could have taken the roster that the Wings had this year and have made them some kind of competitive playoff team. They're just not there yet. And I think Steve Eiserman in his press conference kind of alluded to that and almost admitted that, like, look, we're still trying to figure out who we are as a team. So to go out and spend this money and try to bring this coach in that's going to have this, this standard of excellence, like if we're not in the playoffs next year, it's a failure. If we're not a, if we're not a, top, a top seed in the playoffs, we're a, they're, not, they're just not there yet. So Jeff Blaschel is a guy to me that seems like he's very easy to play for. He's a player's coach. I think he's built some great relationships with his players there. So while you're trying to bring these younger guys in and get their feet wet, and I, I, I said it all episode last week about how you're going to see Lucas Raymond full-time, hopefully. You're going to see Joe Valeno full-time. You're going to see Mo Sider full-time. Who knows who they go out and get in free agency? Who, know who, who knows who they trade for? Who knows what other guys that have been mixing around the AHL or, or, or coming off of, of a, a, a solid junior season they want to give a chance next year? Those are guys that are very important and crucial to building your roster and building your identity. I think Jeff Blaschel gives those guys an opportunity to come up and play stress-free versus playing for a guy like I, like I mentioned earlier, a guy like John Tortorella, who's who was squeezed out of Columbus after having. Well, perhaps why do you add to they were gonna sign Tortorella? They weren't going to. Well, I'm just I'm just saying as far as giving a, giving an example of like another. I know that John Tortorella. Well, I think Wins fans. I we talked about this last week. I'm not gonna go too into deep. They, their dream is like Gallant because they saw what Gallant did with the last talented roster in Vegas early. That's that's what I'm. I, if you're gonna make a comparison, I would compare it to Gallant. How about that? Sure, uh, and not that again. I don't. I don't mean to go. I don't mean to go as extreme as to say that. You know, like John Tortorella was going to be the guy. That's not what I'm alluding to. And I, I think maybe to bring him up is a is a bit much. But yeah, if you want to look at Gerard Gallant, who's the name that's always been floating around the wings for the last couple of years, I just don't think the timing's right. It's like it's the same thing to me as why you're not going out and spending big money on free agents. The time is just not right. So I have no problem with Jeff Blashill coming back. And it's it's funny too, like these people, these people that talk out of both sides of their mouths on, on social media and, and, and on the radio about, about Jeff Blashill. It's like, all I have heard no one 
has been like, oh, look, I don't trust Steve Eiserman. Everyone's on their knees for Steve Eiserman, bowing down. I am too. You saw what he built in Tampa Bay. That team that won the Stanley Cup last year was his team. He built that team. And if that's not enough of a track record to prove that he knows what he's doing, let alone the fact that he was the captain here for 20 plus years and as one of the greatest hockey players, hockey minds, hockey people to ever exist. If that's not enough for you, like go like, again, look at his track record. So to these people that are like, Oh, like this is a stupid move. This is ridiculous. Then what are you, are you calling for Steve Eiserman's head or whatever guy I heard on the 97 one ticket text. It's like, I'm starting to scratch my head on this Iserman thing. Like, are you really, are you really starting to scratch your head on Steve Iserman? If this team is not competitive in the next two to five years, then you know what? I'll stand here like the rest of you guys and pull my pants down. And I'll be like, there, I was, I was fooled. But for, for right now, there is nothing that Steve Iserman has done that has shown me that, yeah, maybe he's not the guy you have 12 draft picks in this upcoming season, like I, or this upcoming draft, you, you've, you, you've made some incredible trades. You've made some, some, some sweet free agent signings that I think were the right, right time, right place. So I don't know what else you want. Like he's Jeff Blashill has another year here to take this team to another step. Now, if they're the worst team in the league again next year, then yeah, as I said last week, it's time to move on. But Did we see this last year though. Really, can we see some development? We saw no development this year. I don't know. One more games in less games this year than they did last year. They did. And they I didn't see any development did. out of the young players. They might have won more games because they made some night they had some better free agents come over and they had a better I think they had a better defense, like a lot better defense than they had the year before, to be fair. But I, I mean and they're also it's hard to not be worse than the worst team in hockey <laughs> history, basically. I just I Rabs, I'm with you. All the faith in the world in Steve Eiserman. I it's not like I'm pounding my fist. I'm just confused. I, if he's not the guy, move on. And I think they know he's not the guy who's going to lead them to a cup. So I, I I don't know. I don't know what the delay is. I don't, I don't to be honest, I'm not like bent like completely bent out of shape because like I said, I trust Eiserman. I just I, I think it's bizarre that. Like we want to just say, hey, let's see if they take another step. I feel like we've been doing this for four years, but I digress. Yeah, I look, I trust me, I get the frustration of not seeing your team be all that competitive. But like I said, not the right time. It's not like it, it clearly again, we're we're not we're not in these meetings, we don't see how Jeff Blash will interact with his players on a day-to-day basis. Clearly, things aren't bad if he's still here like again we said it last week if, if the message is stale and guys are sick of hearing his voice and you know no one feels like they're getting any better then I think Steve Eiserman would have the wherewithal to get rid of him it just seems like again it's a confidence thing it's you know look where you're at it, it's not like the coach is the reason why you didn't make the playoffs this year so as the roster is coming together I look I sat here and told you they're going to make the playoffs not this coming season, but the season after. And I firmly stand by that. So let's see some, we'll see some new faces next year. Um, I did want to mention too, as far as anyone that's interested in the draft lottery stuff, um, they do have the sixth best odds of landing the number one pick at 7.6%. They have like a 15% chance to pick in the top two. For whatever reason, they can't get three, four or five. I don't know how, I, again, the lottery stuff is just so over my head. 
but they have a 30% chance at six, a 43.8% chance at seven, and then a 10.8% chance at eight, which is the lowest they can pick. So keep your fingers crossed that the wings get a bounce. This draft is very, very defensive heavy off the jump, in my opinion. Owen Power seems like he'll be the number one pick as of right now, the six foot six defenseman out of Michigan. Um, there's another guy that plays internationally that is supposed to be really good as well. So, you know, I don't, I don't know where they look to go here with their need. I think if you're the Red Wings, you just need guys that can play. Um, and I, and I was talking to a buddy about this too, as far as the outlook on, on this next season, it would just be nice to get a guy like, like looking at Lucas Raymond, for example, am I upset that he didn't see any time here in the NHL this year? Absolutely not. He's a young kid. Uh, he was playing absolutely fine in, in the Swedish pro league, but it's like, I, I just don't know if I can sit through another season of like, Oh, we have to wait for Lucas Raymond until 2023. I'd like to see a guy come up and play. That's all I ask. Give me, give me someone that I don't have to wait five years for to come up and make an impact. So We'll, we'll, we'll get to the draft stuff as it approaches in June. I think it's is the draft lottery in June. I think it's June 2nd, the draft lottery, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so keep your fingers crossed there. But, yeah, Blatchel's back. I did want to mention that Dan Bilesma has been I, – I don't know if he's been let go or if it was a mutual thing. The way it was phrased was that he's going to be exploring other NHL opportunities. Bilesma was in charge of the power play, which really hasn't been all that good in the, in, in recent memory. So um, I think that Dan Bilesma is a fine coach. I think he won a Stanley cup with, with Pittsburgh at the helm over there when they, when they beat the wings, I'm pretty sure. Um, I should know that. I think I'm correct, but um, good coach, but whatever moving on. Um, and and I, I trust that Steve Eiserman fills that spot accordingly. So that's your wings talk for the week. Jeff Blatchel's around for at least another year. Um, and with that, I guess we can talk about the best team in baseball right now, the Detroit Tigers. Spencer Turnbull. What a man. Yeah, also, uh, I'll, this is going to be my moment to praise Jack Morris as a broadcaster because for oh. some reason you guys just fucking hate him in the booth. Right. I think he's rock solid. He was great. He was great during Turnbull's no-hitter. Well, here – okay, hold on. Let, let's – maybe we could – that can be our big talking point here. Obviously, I, I think everyone's well aware that Spencer Turnbull threw the fifth no-hitter this year in Major League Baseball. I think it was, what, the sixth – the sixth or the eighth all-time in Tigers history by the sixth eighth. pitcher? Who knows? Eighth all-time by the sixth pitcher, yeah, because JV Something. had two and – I don't know, did Morris have two? Who knows? Something like that. Uh, the Tigers currently on a three-game win streak. They just swept the Mariners. They will take on the Royals tomorrow night, being Friday night in Kansas City, who they just swept last week. Uh, and then the Turnbull no-hitter on Tuesday. I was actually coming home from a hockey game when I saw on my phone that Spencer Turnbull had a no-hitter going through seven. So, luckily, I got home in time to watch the eighth and ninth inning. This is – what? The, where were you? Wait, say that again. That was at like 1 in the morning. Where no, were you? Well, I, the, I got home around midnight. The, well, the, I had a hockey game at 8.30. Was it beer league? Like, huh? That sense. Was it a beer league game? Yeah, we had a nice little tailgate in the parking lot afterwards. I didn't leave till like 11.30. So I got home to watch the last two innings. I had no clue what was going on in that game. But this is, this is what my gripe is, and this could be just old man get off my lawn stuff. I can't stand when 
people talk about the no-hitter. I get the notification on my phone that Spencer Turnbull's throwing a no-hitter through seven. On the TV, on the scoreboard at the bottom of the screen, they have Spencer Turnbull throwing a no-hitter. Every other – like, and that was my thing about Jack Morris – is that Shep and Jack Morris were very open about saying no hitter. And I, and to be honest, I, I don't know if I, if I read this years ago about how they're like trying to make a push to make mention of it so that people watch or tune in. And I, I get it. I, I get that, you know, again, there's guys like me. I mean, maybe I'm not a good example because I try to watch all the Tigers games that I can, but maybe a fair weather fan who doesn't, isn't watching the game and sees that Spencer Turnbull is throwing a no hitter through seven goes to turn the game on. But the, but the excuse that we're trying to get people to watch the games by, by uncovering and blowing up one of the most sacred things. And so you just, you just don't do it. You just don't talk. It's like my, I'll never forget what my brother, Justin Verlander was throwing a no hitter. And my dad goes, Zach, come in the living room and check this out. Justin Verlander's pitching really good. Don't say anything. And my brother, like a jackass, goes, oh, he's throwing a no-hitter. And the next pitch, it was a base hit. I can't stand it. You can send out the tweet like, hey, he hasn't allowed a hit so far through seven. That's a better way of phrasing it. But Jack Morris and Matt Shepard, to be sitting there on the broadcast. They jobs. It's just like, to be sitting there like, Spencer Turnbull's got a no-hitter going. He's he's pitching really well. Just don't throw it over the middle of the plate. Preserve that no-hitter. And then I got to hear Jack Morris tell me that they need to get someone up in the bullpen because if he's got a no-hitter going still and he gets 120 pitches, he wants him out. Are you fucking kidding me, Jack? Are you kidding me? You're the biggest hardo there is on TV when it comes to pitching. And you're going to tell me it's Spencer Turnbull at 112 pitches with one out in the bottom of the ninth inning. You want him pulled at 120 because of fatigue? Fuck you. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. They stink. I have... I have a different spin on this because I, I think it would be more of a point, Rabs, if it did like jinx him. Like he didn't get it. The fact that it was so advertised and he still made it work, I can now like let that superstition go and I'll never do it again. Like it's it's fine. I don't have to like not say the words no hitter. Like I'm still not gonna do it, but you get what I'm saying? Like the fact that he still made it work makes it a little different, right? No, it doesn't. Because if it didn't work, then I would have been, I would be more irate that he get, yeah, that's the thing. He threw the no hitter. Good yeah. for him. But if he didn't throw the no hitter, I would be more irate than I am right now. And I'm pretty upset about it. I'm just so, I don't care. Like when it's other guys around the league, like Kluber, for example, who threw one last night, seeing the update on my phone, like I'm still like, well, that's kind of sacrilegious, but like, yeah, he's throwing a no hitter through seven fine but when it's my guy and i have my own broadcasters mentioning it after every pitch and i have to see it on the scoreboard like who who that's watching the game does not know what's going on i gotta see that spencer turnbull is throwing a no header through 7.1 7.2 i can't stand it it's it's so it's so ridiculous to me I, I can't stand it. I think Jack was an absolute hack on the call when that was going on. Shep too. It, it really just makes me sick. I cannot, I cannot stand it. 
You know, it's funny that on Twitter it was going around and people were like, this sounds so much better with a Dan Dickerson call. And they're right. They are 100% right. I just think it's funny because I'm like, Matt Shepard has to just feel like shit. If, well, if what's it called? I'll say this. Shep has been better this year. And it's it's been a low bar to clear, but he's been better this year. I'll give him that credit. Morris is just, I can't listen to Morris. I just don't think he's good. Gibby has turned full, like, Hardo, like, uh, like he's don't like, he's like, okay, I'm going to lean in to be like the Tigers, Mickey Redmond, where I'm a little nuts. I like unbuttoned my shirt halfway during the middle of the game, which I, I can live with. And then you got Simo. And I think Petrie's actually not bad. I like booth. Petrie. I, like- I actually like Petrie and Shepard together. Like that, that's a listable broadcast. Ravs, I think you said it though. Like the thing that's annoying, fine. Tell me there's a no hitter. Fine. Get, have it on the bottom line that he's throwing a no hitter. They like went out of their way to be like, he's got a no hitter, no hitter, no hitter. Did I say no hitter 18 times? No hitter. No, like I I got it guys. I got what you guys are trying to do. You're trying to get rid of the stigma that you're going to jinx the no hitter. I'm like, just try, try less Matt Shepard and Jack Morris. That's like my advice for them. Just try less. You guys would be better. Matt Shepard, fantastic at Michigan basketball. He was awesome on the radio for Michigan basketball. And and baseball, he's just like trying so hard. Just relax a little bit. And so with Morris. Morris is like, the thing about Morris too that's like weird, he like, he goes through stretches where he like doesn't want to talk and then he'll go through stretches where he just talks over Shep. And I I mean, we can get to the actual game now because I think that's a little bit more important. Actually, no, it's not more important. It's not more important. This needed to be mentioned. Sorry. Be better, Shep and Morris. Be better. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, hey, I guess as far as his pitching performance is concerned, I guess we can talk about that and then we can talk about the last week of games or so. I, I Spencer Turnbull was obviously not healthy to start the year. I, I do think that he is the best pitcher on your staff. He's got I mean, great stuff. I mean, I really do. I, I would hope that in years to come that he's a four or five guy. I don't know who one, two, three is supposed to be. That's like my pipe dream is that somehow the pitching gets so good that they have guys that can go one, two, three, and Turnbull's like your fourth or fifth guy. I'm sure that Turnbull, as long as he continues to, to produce, can can fill one of those top three roles as, in far, as far as your starting rotation is concerned. But the Tigers have woken up. I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due. The Mariners do suck. They've been hit, no hit twice in the last month. They do suck. The Royals, obviously, I think are a top one to two team in your division right now. So that sweep a week ago was was – was great. The Cubs are always tough to play and you, you took a game from them in a three game set. So get, I got to give credit where credit's due. I, I still, it, there's a lot of things about the lineup that I scratch my head at. Nico Goodrum makes an error every single game. I can't believe they let him play in the field. Willie Castro is not good at short. I don't think that Harold Castro is a shortstop either, but they play him there. So I think defensively they're absolutely abysmal and they just can't seem to figure out a lineup. I, I I can't, I I really can't take Nico Goodrum every day anymore. It makes me sick. Um, But Hey, the the, the bats have woken up. They're putting the ball in play. Some guys still strike out a ton, but they're striking out as a team less Um, and they're putting up runs and they're winning games. So now the, the twins have somehow slipped behind the Tigers in taking the last spot in the central. Um, and, and I think you might see them. they've like given up. It's kind of weird. I don't, I do. I thought the twins, the twins had their, their window of them being like somewhat decent and they were like right there. And now they've just taken a complete step back. So I don't know what their deal is, but 
give credit where credit's due. The Tigers are playing decent ball. I think the Tigers' biggest thing, and I know Collins will agree, is just that they're finally hitting. Like, the pitching's been fantastic all year. And 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 Fulmer is great, great as a closer. So they got to keep him there. Or, Collins, I want your thoughts on this particularly because I know that you've kind of spoken on this a little bit. Does Fulmer get traded? Do you trade him? Do you shop him? No. Do you, do you at least see what's what, what the value is? Uh no, because uh, I believe – is he unrestricted or restricted, Rebs? Who? Fulmer. Fulmer, after this year. I know he's a I, free agent. I, I think he's still – I think he's a restricted free agent. I think he's under. I could be wrong. I, I, if he's unrestricted, then maybe, yeah, you deal him. If he's restricted, why wouldn't you want to re-sign this guy? The way he's out. looked out of the pen in high-leverage situations, he's been great. He really has been. And I think – I. Uh, I don't get the section of the Tigers fan base that like, like he's good in the pen. Let's just keep him there for right now. Maybe, I, I in the future, maybe in the future, if you want to give it a whirl one more time, fine. But right now, keep him in the pen. Let's just like, don't fix what's not like, don't break something that's already fixed. I know what I mean? Like he's a yeah. great and he's, I love what Hinch does with Fulmer too. It's like, Hey, Biggest three outs of the game, top of the order. I'm going to put you out there. It doesn't matter if it's the fourth inning, the sixth inning, or the ninth inning. And that's what I've liked what they've done with Fulmer. Um, Soto, I think he's proven that he's a super unreliable. Um, Cisneros kind of along the same thing. I think Cisneros has been decent. It kind of ruined Brian Garcia where they, they, they've they like weirdly put him in situations where they're up like four to five runs and then he struggles. But whenever they put him in a tight game, he seems to succeed. So I, I I don't think they trade Fulmer, to be honest. I, I want it, to be honest. All right. Well, I mean, I, I would keep him around as well. I guess the only reason I bring it up is because he's been dealing and he does have that injury history, if we're being honest. So it's like, why wouldn't you – It. I don't want to say it's a Matt Boyd situation from two years ago because Matt Boyd was absolutely great. And, and Rabs, I know you feel some type of way about that. But Rabs, what do you think? Would you hang on to Fulmer? Yeah, I, I would. I mean, you know, now it looks like, I mean, Fulmer, in my opinion, I, I don't think it's an unpopular one or a hot take that he's been, he's been your best pitcher out of the bullpen. And, and that's, you know, he can, he's got the velocity and I think he's got the pitch mix that he can, that he can definitely be a sustainable closer for you. I still, I look, I, it, I'd like to see the guy start. I mean, I guess it's a, it's a, I don't know if I would call it a luxury that he can, he can fill multiple roles in your pitching staff, but my, my whole thing with Fulmer and I get that you now have a new manager, but the guy battles back from injury. You put him on a pitch count all year last year. And my thought process is they're only going to let him throw X amount of pitches a game. So he can be a full-time starter next year. But you say, no, F you go to the bullpen. You bring in two, stopgap starting pitchers for no reason one of which who you haven't seen pitch since the first week of the season the other one who I don't think has a win even though he has been nice in some games but it, it, it's like at a, at a certain point I don't I don't know what the value is for Michael Fulmer and I guess the hope is that he has to continue to pitch really well but it's like do you have any faith they're going to get anything in return for Michael Fulmer worth a damn yes oh you do yeah. At you this do. stage, Rabs. Okay. I, I say we go to, have you watched him? Have you seen? I read you the whole list of trades over the last five years. A week I understand ago. that, Rabs, but there's a higher value. 
for those people that they've traded and you know what you're right you shouldn't have the confidence for them to get someone good i understand that but his trade value would be exceptionally high if he continued to pitch this way going into the trade deadline because everybody needs high leverage relievers and especially contending teams i'm just saying that his is alavila doing the right thing probably like no fucking shot that will happen. No <laughs> shot he gets the right prospects. But to say he won't have value, I think that's dead wrong. No, I, I, I mean, maybe that's – then I guess we can agree to disagree there. I think you're, that's probably a bit much for me to say he's not – I don't mean to say he's not going to have value. I'm just saying do, do I think that you're going to get value in return that's substantial? I would say no. That's my, that's my whole thing is I don't think – they're going to get anything back for him that's going to make any kind of impact on this team. He is 28 years old right now, and, and, and he, he will, he's eligible for arbitration next year. So he's not completely off the hook from the Tigers. So I guess you have to think, too, now he has leverage in arbitration right now because of how well he's pitching. So I, I would like to think that the Tigers maybe pull the wallet out and, and give the guy the, his money for the next couple of years. But again, at 28 years old, it's tough. He's not 25 and I get it. So I don't know. It's it just the whole Michael Fulmer saga here has been such a disappointment. I mean, after, after his first incredible a good year, story, dude, come on. What, is, why has it been such a disappointment? Because of what because of what you gave up to get him back in return and how how highly touted he was to have that great first year and he has not been close to that good since this year and he's in a completely different role. Okay, Rabs, they he was a prospect that has kinda hit. He's hit kinda. I mean, this is this is you, you don't complain about Daniel Norris, you're complaining about Michael Fulmer. Daniel Norris was the prize to the David Price deal. And you don't complain about it, but you're going to complain about Michael Fulmer who won a rookie of the year, who was pretty solid in his second year. And then he got injured, struggled last year. And now he's a pretty good relief pitcher. I feel like that's a success for Jonas Cespedes, a guy you weren't going to resign. I'm just saying. I hear you. I I do. Trust me. I'm a, I'm a Michael Fulmer guy. I'm just saying that after coming off of his rookie year, he has not come close to being that good this this year maybe no, isn't- I, I i'm not disagreeing he was awesome that year but you can't say like i'm just i mean this michael fulmer what a bum like he's not he's been a good like that was if you really look at it he it sucks the way it's worked out with health but that was not a bad trade no i i i don't i think we're just kind of talking in circles here i don't mean to yeah argue. i don't know i don't know i'm just i don't, I don't mean to say everything. it was a bad trade but um, yeah, he's, he'll go to arbitration next year, and then he's a UFA in 2023 if they aren't able to uh, to reach some kind of deal. I don't know. Um, it, he's been he's been good. It's been it's been a pleasure to see. I'm trying to think of what else I want to talk about. I don't even really know what else on the Tigers. Well, Airtas and Jake Rogers is an interesting case study. And Rabs has been saying this for years. Can I just like can we see some of the young catchers? And the one thing. I always thought with like Rogers, like fine, the hitting's not going to be great. It's that he wasn't a great, like he doesn't catch a good game. I think he catches a way better game than either of the guys they had up. It's crazy to me that Grayson Griner made this team. That's a like I just don't get it. And I mean, I don't think they expected Haas's bat to be this good. Like his bat's been really good since he's came up, and he caught. I mean, he caught a no hitter. So, I, like, I didn't think they saw that in Springer or whatever, but like. For neither of them to be up 
like I don't know what they were were they like on mushrooms during spring training? <laughs> like what what was going on that these two guys did not make the team over Grinder? Because they're clearly they catch pretty good games and at the plate they seem more comfortable. That's just been crazy to me. Also, Nico Goodrum can't play shortstop ever again. If I see it, I'm I will like burn. I mean, he's probably gonna play there tomorrow night, but like he is so bad there defensively. I, the one thing I would like the Tigers to do, honestly, I don't know if they have anyone in the farm system they can throw at like shortstop, or if they even want to try Harold Castro at shortstop, or like retry Willie Castro. Bring someone else in the shortstop position. I like go make a deal for a guy who bats in 180, but can actually play shortstop. Because I can't watch. Like we got like Johnny Peralta out there with bad hands. Like, no, I mean, like Johnny Peralta had no range, but at least it was hit to him and you made plays or it was a hard hit. Like he had good hands. Goodrum doesn't have either. Yeah. I, I at least, I like what you said about Harold Castro. I think he could at least go to, go to short because him playing pretty center solid. field is him playing center field is ridiculous. Rabs doesn't make any sense. I hate that. He's just not an outfielder. He he's, I, I would, I implore you guys to watch, some of the shortstops and third basemen around the league. Not that Jamer is a bad third baseman by any means, but we we have some of the most unathletic infielders I've ever seen on any roster. Like Harold Castro is not a shortstop. Willie Castro could play short. He's just not good at it. Nico Goodrum makes an error a game when he's playing shortstop. They stay. We're, they are horrible defensively. They're not fat. Oh, they yeah, up the fat. middle, they're the. I think they're. I they were talking about it. I don't know what the statistic was because I was listening to Dickerson on the radio, and they're I they're easily bottom third twist in it. Like it's like they're plus two or something on double play balls. I don't know what that means. It was some sort of like advanced stat. Horrible. They're horrible defensively. Like Miggy is when Miggy's like a top five, like, like top three defender ever, like in your lineup for like a game. That's when you have like a problem. It's like. Okay, we got like Jacoby in center and Candy at third. And then I guess Miggy at first. Like, that's not good. <laughs> Especially for a team that is not mashing the ball like the Tigers. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but hey, again, they, they, they've strung some games together. They're clearly finding a, a bit of a groove. I'm still relatively disappointed with just what I see from certain guys that you expecting more out of. So. I don't know. I guess there's there's more to be seen, but I don't have anything else from the Tigers, so we can move on. If, unless you guys got something. All set. Go Tigers. Right. Go go rattle off some games, huh? Or they're back to ten below five hundred. Got to rattle off some wins here. Get back in the race. Telling you, dude. I said it last week that they play five hundred ball from that point. I agreed with you. I, I think I think that's a. They're back in the sit over sixty eight conversation. TB. They're back in. So. They're back in it. My so. Indians bet right. is looking great, though. My Indians under 81 or whatever it was. It's not looking great, but. A lot of game left. Um, all right, let's do the trifecta, and we will call it this one a day. All right, Trent's trifecta. This first one's kind of lazy, but I, I'm, I'm curious. Um, do you say mow the lawn or cut the grass? Mow the lawn. You say mow the lawn? I say both. I say both equally, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can. It's not like a soda or pop situation, I think you, you use both. I think that's yeah. I've never there's there's never been an instance in my life where I've said soda, unless I'm ta- unless I'm having this conversation. Someone asked me this in Chicago, I think, because I think the person I was talking to was from Wisconsin, 
and they were like, do you call it? Or I said, I said pop and they're like, Oh, you call it pop. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not a weirdo. And they're like, Oh, well, I call it soda. And then we got into the conversation of how she was saying that she calls water fountains, you know, like drinking fountains in schools. Yeah. They call them the bubblers. I was yeah, like, what are you drinking? Like seltzer water. <laughs> that's a little weird. I was, like, I was like, that's just objectively wrong. I'm like, you're just like not clearly not as intelligent as the rest of the population. But yeah, I'm a mow the lawn. I got to mow the lawn today. I got to go cut the grass. It is what it is. Either I way. only like go, TB. Say, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, say, I I only say cut the grass. I don't ever say mow the lawn. That's why I asked. I think this is another thing too. When you say mow, I think it's in more of like a professional setting. Say, like, oh, we got to mow the greens. We got to mow the grass for the baseball field. When you cut grass, it's more like you just ate dinner. You just had a steak. It's like 6.30. You put on your, like, dad's, like, Nike, like, Air Monarchs, and you're like, okay, I got to cut the grass and just gross shoes. And you got to put my headphones on. Yeah, you got to use – One of the use- funnier things is my dad has a riding mower. My dad has a riding mower and still doesn't trust me to cut the grass. It's unbelievable. I would kill my, I don't think my yard is big enough to justify having a riding mower, but that's the dream. Like I, I don't mind. Dad cutting loves the grass. It. I don't mind cutting the grass. It's kind of a fun activity to do. The trick is when you have dogs and, and, and someone's got to pick up all the, the dog poop. Sometimes I just get lazy. I just mow it over. And I'm like, you know what? Wow. I'm not doing both. So I, sometimes that happens, but yeah riding mower that would be great i mean like how much more fun can you have you just crack a beer you got your your headphones in that's just like in the grass is getting it's tough. unbelievable it's it's peak i've yeah. never done it too it makes me sad but like at, i had similar vibes with that like when i worked at the golf course and i would just like be in the picker oh like, yeah up range balls i got my headphones in i'm just chilling yeah sweating you're, you're, my badge off yeah but, you're like, still i'm like but it's i'm like this is like the easiest ten dollars an hour i'm ever gonna make Exactly. All right. Second question. In honor of the great Ben Wallace making it to the Hall of Fame after we, we lobbied for him like a month ago. So shout out to us. But who is one Detroit Hall of Famer, in your opinion, who isn't in, who should be in? Chauncey Billups. I'm not going to say Sweet Lou because I don't know. I didn't watch Sweet Lou. But if Ben Wallace is going to be in the Hall of Fame, Chauncey Billups should be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. No discussion. Are- I know. I know Ben Wallace had a higher peak, but ben, Chauncey Billups is the reason they won that title. I, you won't convince me otherwise. He was well, a, like the starting five was the re- there wasn't a reason. That's the thing. No, but. but like if you remember those teams, though, like Chauncey was the best player on those those teams forever. Even after the finals, even when they went to six retrospective Eastern Conference Finals, Chauncey was still good until he tore his Achilles late in his career. Like he was good, and from once he he went to Minnesota kind of jump-started his career, and then he ends up on the Pistons. And then until he gets to the Knicks, and then I think he gets hurt on the Clippers. Like, for 13 years, he was a great NBA player. He put up great college stats. I think Chauncey Billups should be in the Hall of Fame. I really believe that. I do, too. Yeah, I would I would agree with Chauncey. That's probably the first that comes to mind. I'm trying to think of who else. There's not really any Lions players that I'm banging the table for. Herman Moore. Sure, I'm sure. I would say Chauncey. I, obviously, the Tigers. Sweet everyone Lou. says Sweet Lou. I get that. I didn't. I didn't get to watch Sweet Lou, but it looks like based on numbers and just how many dads are so angry about it that he probably should be. <laughs> I would say not. Not that it's like criminal that he's not in, but I would say that there's. I would like to think that in my lifetime that like Henrik Zetterberg gets in the Hall of Fame. 
I think yeah. I think the time I think like the timeline is um it, it, like it's just too recent. I don't think Lidstrom's in yet, is he? I think he is. I think he is. It's it, a, it's it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not an NHL Hall of Fame, right? Am I right? Yes, you can you can be in you can be in for like multiple things. I believe I should know that. Yeah, Lidstrom. If Lidstrom is not Lidstrom's in, in. Lidstrom's like a hundred percent in. Yeah, yeah, he is. You're right. He definitely is. Um, I would say Zetterberg, and then I would say probably Datsuk should be in at some point. For sure. So that's maybe not, Kurt yeah, Malpe. I don't know. <laughs> not that it's criminal that they're not in. It's just like the timeline, but they should be in at some point. Dude, yeah. there, there are certain athletes in Detroit sports history that are just like attached at the hip, and I feel like Ben, Ben, and Chauncey are two of those guys. So if you put one, and you got to put the other. And Sweet Lou and Trammell are obviously those guys too. So for for Trammell to get in, I'm. He deserves it, of course. But I, I, I just got to roll with Lou, dude. I think Lou should be in 1,000% next in line for the Um I think Chauncey is sneaky the most underrated NBA player the last, like, 15 years. I, I would agree with when that. They talked about, talk about the Pistons winning, the, like, the title. He's, like, the third guy they mentioned. They're, like, Big Ben, Rashid, and then Chauncey. I don't understand. He won the finals MVP. Yeah. He was the saw that like stirred the drink offensively and he was a great defender too. I don't understand it. Like they're all like, yeah, they were all just pretty solid player. Chauncey was a solid player for like eight years. Yep. I, like at an all-star level. I don't know what his all-star like numbers are, and I doubt he made an all NBA, but he was awesome. I just I, I don't think he's appreciated for how good he was in Detroit. Agreed. I'll drink to that. Final question. You guys have to enlighten me a little bit. In spirit of what we were talking about earlier with the NHL playoffs, who who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Like, what's your prediction? Uh, my buddy texts me, Rob, texts me today. He goes, tell me why I shouldn't put $100 on the Avs plus 270. And I was like, I, 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 and I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched the most hockey this year. But it does feel like it's going to be like a Toronto title or like an Avalanche title. Like a historic franchise that wins a weird title that you're not gonna remember in like ten years. Well, in my bracket, I selected I had Toronto coming out of the north. I had the Bruins coming out of their division. I have Vegas coming out of their division, and then the other one I can't think of because I'm an idiot right now. <laughs> who else? Who else is in the hangout? Let me let me look. Well, this up. who do you think is gonna win it? Like. Oh, I know. I'm just, I'm just giving you my, my rundown. Who else do I have? Oh, oh, hang on, hang on. I so okay. So in my bracket, I have, I have Vegas winning the cup. I need to look and see. I'm, I'm missing a team. Oh, wait. Do I have the brute? Oh, I have Tampa Bay coming out of that region. I have Vegas. I have Vegas winning the cup right now. And after watching Vegas's game one. I immediately knew they are not winning the Stanley cup this year. And it's just this again. And I, I know we already talked about this. This Stanley cup playoffs has been so fantastic through like three games so far at the max for any of these series, two, three games. So if you're not, if you're, if you're looking to get into hockey, this is the time to buy in and watch the Boston and Washington series is awesome. The battle of Florida, Florida and Tampa Bay, that series is awesome. The Vegas and Minnesota one has been pretty good. And if you want to just watch a team that can just play, it's Colorado. I've, I have Vegas winning because I think that goaltending in the playoffs is huge. You have flurry, you have Robin Lehner. 
That, in my opinion, is the best goalie tandem in the playoffs right now. You can play either of those guys, and they can carry you all the way to the cup. They've been so close before. They're such a great team defensively. They play really, play really good structured hockey. The one knock I have on them is that they don't score a ton of goals, and they don't have the offensive firepower that like a Colorado has or a Toronto has or even like a Tampa Bay so that might bite them. I think that if you're a if you're a hockey fan, you are praying that you get to see Vegas and Colorado play each other. You are praying that you get to see Toronto and get to see Edmonton play each other. You're praying to see Tampa and Carolina. Honestly, even if Florida came out of there, they're down two nothing. Um, but other than that, there are there are just some. It, it anyone could win. It's it's how it is. I think there are several teams that have the offensive firepower. Colorado can definitely do it. I think that Tampa can do it again. Toronto, the goaltending is going to be the question mark because Freddie Anderson hasn't played in forever. It feels like, or at least hasn't been very good in, in as far as this whole year is concerned. But God, are they good up front? So I don't know. Vegas is my pick. I don't think they're going to win, but they're my pick because I expect them in the bracket and I have to stick to it. I love the NHL. All right. I think Rabs wrapped it up well. I, yeah, I had nothing else. What about the NBA? We'll flip it. We'll go. Go Suns, baby. Go Suns. Dude, I just, I, I just, and last night is a perfect example of this. I have to stop going against my instincts and picking against LeBron. The Lakers are going to win it. They're going to figure it out. Zero chance to the Lakers win it. Collins. You zero zero. <laughs> You've given me zero. Fucking with you. They're they're clearly the best team when they're healthy. Okay, okay, okay. They're I'm gonna kidding. figure it I, out. I do think what's it called? The whole like Nets. I think the Nets or Sitzers could give them a really nice series in the finals. Either one. I actually think Milwaukee could too, but I, I don't really trust Giannis yet until they do it. I do think I like. I do think. Like the Lakers, it's not to be like last year where they dominate the playoffs. Like they just have not played enough together in the regular season to do that. So, I mean, I do, I think the Suns can beat them. I don't think it's inconceivable. I really don't. They could. You're right. I, I I just like the Lakers to figure it out. I, I, I like, no, I do too. I mean, they have the two of the top five best players in the league. So, all right. That's it. That is all we have. The Lakers are winning, by the way. Okay, thanks. Imagine, imagine, imagine being the guy that, like, once LeBron has the trophy in his hands again and is like, oh, yeah, I didn't bet on the Lakers to, like, win the NBA championship when they have the best player in the history of basketball on the team. Like, that's just amazing. I, I, I – there is no one in the world that wants to see the Nets lose more than me. I, if they win the title, I'll be sick. I, they're, I, they're not going to. They, they don't play any defense. They don't guard anybody. They have no size. They're – they're, they might not even make it. I, I'm trying to think. I don't know. How, I, if I was more prepared, I'd have the bracket in front of me, but I don't think they're going to make it to the conference finals even. Really? I got. I think Bucks and Sixers are the two best teams in my opinion. I don't even do like. I, I don't even really know. I, like, you could tell me the Magic are in the playoffs. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. I know they have, like, the, one of the worst records in the league, but I could be like, yeah, that's that sounds about right to the Magic. I have no idea. So, Whatever. Um, Good episode, fellas. We will be back again next week, but that's going to be all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. For Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore Rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Don't miss a single episode of the show. We're on Spotify and we're on Apple Podcasts. New episodes every single week, and we will see you next time.